We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We waited. We waited so long for it to come back. We watched other football. We watched international football. But finally, it's come back, and we can talk about it. The January transfer window is here. This is the Arsenal Vision Post-Match Podcast. My name is Elliot Smithy, Kabachman, Twitter, Yankee Gunner. That's right. The January transfer window is really what we waited through the World Cup to get back to. I guess also the football. Also the football. That that was part of it, too. But, you know, we're going to... um. We're going to get there, everybody. We're going to we're going to talk both football and transfers today, and I am thrilled that we are going to have the chance to do it with Paul. You can find him on Twitter. Pause my pants. Hello, pause. Woohoo! And Clive, you can find him on Twitter. Clive PFC. Hello, Clive. Hello, hello. I have to admit, I'm slightly concerned by the fact that Paul is what looks like seven to seven and a half feet away from his microphone. So I'm sure that's going <laughs> to pick pick everything up brilliantly. Get, get that you nice are like, tone that we're all looking for. Uh, and you sound seven millimeters away from yours, right? So, uh, oh, so between the two of you. <laughs> you know, well, and, and, all right. So I am in the undisclosed away location. I'm I'm playing away today for the uh, for the last time. I'm I'm flying back today. I do want to let you know, I. I I realize I need to go easier on people like Emil Smith-Rowe and, and, and people like um, uh, Tomiyasu and stuff who, who don't necessarily stay as fit as we would like. And the reason I bring this up is yesterday, uh, thankfully I'm on vacation by the ocean, I went body surfing uh, in the Atlantic Ocean. And today I am definitely looking at 21 days out. <laughs> the back hurts, the, the legs hurt, the shoulders hurt. I have little scrapes on my tummy from the from the bodyboard, and and that hurts. And I went to my wife said, my my tummy hurts, and she just glared at me and said, help get the kids ready for for dinner. So I guess that didn't go over very well. But yeah, I um I I'm gonna go a little easier on the people, the professional athletes who have little niggles because I I went body surfing and I am now gonna be out for three weeks. So that's what's happening with me, uh, as I'm sure you wanted to know. Uh, we've covered everything. We've covered Paul's mic discipline, my ailments. Um, we haven't covered anything from Clive yet, but there's still time. Pod's just getting started. So let's let's dive into this today. I want to talk about 
a monumental January, an absolutely monumental January, because it is a January where we not only have the chance to sign players that could determine our season, but we have fixtures that could determine our season. And so I'll start with you, Paul, um, because Clive and I did, I should say, a really long, really nice discussion of Zhao Felix, Ferran Torres, and Mudrik deals yesterday on Patreon. A big, long discussion of that, about 40 minutes long, and then did a rewatch of the West Ham game. So that's out there on Patreon. I I think you'd enjoy it if you want to check it out. But if not, you're here, and you're going to get a great discussion. Well, you're going to get a discussion here. I can't uh, verify that it'll be a great one, but we'll see. So, Paul, the... The larger question for me here is, with respect to how far out we should push the boat, how big we should go in January, I've always sort of come across, I get it as like whiskers and project and, you know, squad building. I find myself in a position now of feeling that a title is a genuine possibility, depending on whose odds you're looking at. We're up to anywhere from 39%, 35%, 45%, you know, in that range of really having a shot at it. And it doesn't come around very often. I'd do whatever it takes this January to try to execute uh, on on that opportunity to try, to try to win this title. How do you feel about balancing the project TM with just going hell for leather this January to try to win a title? Uh, you do must do mo- both. You can't sacrifice one for the other. Um, and by that, I mean... Um, we should go for it big time. We should spend the money. We should get the players in early. Um, we must make sure they're the right players. So everything is bounded. Everything has constraints. But if you're Stan and Josh Cronkey, um, you look at it and you say, there's no point in waiting to next June, July to get players you can have this January when you can genuinely go for a title challenge. And even if you miss out, you have strengthened your team. If we come, if we get in a couple of strong players, we come second, but it's a strong second and we're building. You go into the summer stronger, the team's more set up. I mean, get your options in early. It might cost you a little bit more because you're, 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 you've got a short window and people know that uh, you're teeny bit desperate because you have this champion, this title you want to win. <laughs> you're not just yes. <laughs> you're not just one of seven clubs in the Premier League hoping for a run at a top four starting next year. You like th- that's the beauty of it too, right? When we go and looking for a player this year, uh, like when you go to a Mudrick and you say. Um, we're not just going to be in the challenge next year. Right now, we're going for a title over the next four or five months, and you can play a role in that and be in a title-challenging team. So, like, you got to look at the downside. The downside for us is uh, if we go strong and we're we're half-decent, we're still coming top four. We're in it very potentially in a title challenge all the way through. It's going to be a great season. It's going to be electric. Um, And that should be very, very attractive to players out there. Clubs will maybe hold us a little bit to ransom. Um, On the other hand, players will want to come to us. We've seen with Mudrick that he's been willing to put it out there that there's one team he wants to come to. 
he's now that's putting it mildly paul he's watching our games on instagram (laughs) i mean he's not exactly creating leverage for his for his agent here (laughs) he's not but what he is doing is he's creating opportunity for himself by saying to his club don't be total twats Uh, i know you want to make a lot of money but i'm the talent here let's all make some money i want my move i want to make it easier for arsenal do a deal and to some extent, there will be a couple of other players who will be desperate to say, oh, Jesus, that's a project I want to be part of. I don't want to just be in a top six, seven. Who knows what will happen next year? I want to be in a team that's happening right now. So yeah, uh, it may cost us a little bit more, but it may you may also have players who are willing to push, not so much push the boat out as torpedo the boat <laughs> to get out of it, to say, oh, this is happening now. I want to be a part of that. It makes yep. no sense to delay. It makes sense to pull things forward. Um, we might miss out, but absolutely don't get a player that doesn't fit the project. So it's not an easy job. No, oh, not, not an easy job at all, but I, I totally agree with you. And I, th- I think, you know what's funny is how far we've come. Like you said, they have to be good players, they have to be the right players. Like we're not linked with 32-year-olds on a free, you know, for a quarter million a week. We're not li- like... Looking back now, I think all of us can see like, wow, the Willian move was really stupid. Why did we ever do that? You know what? Like, like we've come so far from where the club made lots of really, I think, fairly clearly wrong thinking moves that we were sort of forced into, well, maybe, you know, explaining it or justifying it. Like, I just couldn't imagine a scenario now where to try to win the title, we'd go out and get a 32-year-old on a big wage. Like, that's just not where we're at. Now, I would love to have a bigger conversation on that. We won't do it now because it would be a terrible conversation. But I would love a let's go back in history because I still don't – I think that's all outcome-based and look how well this has gone and it's a young project. And, like, why doesn't everybody do this? Oh, yeah, because it usually doesn't work out. So there's I would say more clubs are doing it. I think think what I would say, right, is that Arsenal took – it's ironic. We've, We've come full circle. Arsenal took a very short-term approach for several windows to try to just, like, pull ourselves back into the top four. One last sticking plaster, one last key player late in his career, a David Luiz, a William, a whoever it was, a Cedric, you know, just one little sticking plaster to get us back in top four, and then we can really start rebuilding. And it didn't work, and we had to rip it up and start over, and now it's gone faster than anybody ever could have hoped for, and I think we've had a lot of fortune. You know, we were a little unlucky with those periods, and maybe we've been a little lucky with this one, but Clive, like... I think we've been... Can I just quickly... My point is, we've been really lucky. We earned our luck, but on the other hand, we've, we've signed a bunch of players. They've basically all worked out. They're basically all brilliant. We've had a manager who's kicking in at the right time, who's perfect for that, like... We just, it turns out we got everything right, but like that's a little bit looking back. Anyway, that's sure, the I mean, it all takes a little luck. I mean, you can look at, you know, Liverpool's lost, title yeah. season. Everyone says, oh, Liverpool yep. did the perfect squad build, but like in their title season, their key players played 36, 37, 38 games. Yep. If Mohamed mm-hmm. Salah's out two months, they never win that title, and everyone goes, ah, they left themselves short up front. You know, so I, I get it. It's all a little outcome based always, but Clive, like, we are in a situation. I mean, this is the problem, right? You can be like, don't ruin the project, don't ruin the project. I mean, next season, we could be great, only get 82 points, and finish 15 adrift of the title, you know, and, and like, still have had a very nice season. You just, you don't know what's going to happen. 
this season we're definitely in it. And this is what you're really shooting for. The other thing is it gives us a chance to do something we have not been able to do in years, maybe since 2003, 2004, which is go try to sign players with the cachet of being top of the Premier League, the team everybody wants to play in, some of the brightest young stars, one of the brightest young managers, we now have a different knock. We're a different knock FC right now. We haven't been that in a while. And so we can go. I mean, you know, people laugh at like a Jude Bellingham reference or things like that, but there's not going to be many clubs in the world right now who look as appealing to go to. So my feeling is use our position in the table, not only to try to win a title, but to try to go get the players that maybe otherwise wouldn't be there. So I guess I'll ask you the same question in the same way, and then you can answer it. I would say probably uh, uh, more articulately than than Paul and I have covered it, which will, <laughs> which will allow for the pod to really go from strength to strength, which is how big should Arsenal be going this window? Not just in light of being in a title race, but in light of the fact that we have we have a little credit in the bank now that we can go spend in terms of what players are going to think about joining Arsenal. As big as your microphone cover. <laughs> you can't go that big. Never never go full microphone cover. Never go full microphone cover. Yeah, this takes this takes time to build, isn't it? And sometimes you need to rip something down to build it up again. Um, yeah. You need to do it, and it's all about it's all about your talent identification on and off the pitch. And I sort of bristle when when people say, "Oh, it's lucky." Well, now when we were getting slaughtered for ripping out our scouting department, yeah, we we just seem to have forgotten that. I um we we changed how we scouted. We became more database. We ripped people out, put different people in, stayed in certain regions on the ground, and and completely restructured the people around that. Right. So, and all of a sudden, our philosophy alongside the people that we've hired became more consistent and aligned. So, the closeness of Edu and Arteta working on the technical and physical balance of our team, some of the size of our players, some of the technical qualities of our players have all changed in the last two years. When you have six or seven people, even the ones that are not working out so well, you can see them, understand them. You know, you look at, you know, I'm looking at Nuno last night, smashing a volley in the top corner. He may not suit mm-hmm. the style of play that we're playing right now, but no one can tell me that's a bad signing. Right, you know? Um, ba- Balogun doing the same, by the way, scoring twice. If, if you've ever been an Arsenal player, you're having the best season of your life. Just anyone who ever touched Arsenal is killing it. Right now. <laughs> yeah, you just take, people develop at different rates, and, and we talk about Quirantini a lot on this podcast. Again, we're looking at this stylistically. It's not, you know, player-wise, there's a player there, right? And um, and so you can see a consistent theme, and player the player quality and the quality of person has improved to the point now where other people look at us and say, oh, I don't mind being there. You know, my mantra um, from when I first started this podcast, we're exactly where I hoped we'd be. We're the place where people want to be, and they're saying it out loud in public. You only do that when you see a club operating appropriately and correctly. People are Mm -hmm. choosing Liverpool over Manchester United. Why is that? One club is not in the right place in this project yet. It's not completely clear. Their style isn't clear. Liverpool's is clear. It's clear the leadership is stable. They know what they're trying to do. They're trying to evolve their team slightly. You'd pick that team. If you have decided to go to one of the two Northwest teams, then you'd pick, I'd pick Liverpool because Manchester United are basket case at the moment. But I do believe that that guy will get a bit better over time and um, we'll see what happens if he's allowed time. So, yeah, from my angle, what we are right now is not lucky. Something's been developed and it's been a painful development where we pay people to leave because they're idiots. 
right? And, and they're out the dressing room, right? So see you later. No more idiots coming back in. That's the key thing to what Paul said earlier. We cannot have idiots coming back in. I just don't think we'd accept it anymore. We all watch the training videos. We watch all the films around the club. We watch all the YouTubes. We're all nuts, right? And all those videos, everybody looks like they're having the time of their lives and they don't want to be anywhere else. The moment someone comes in and upsets that, that person can't go to Sainsbury's because we'll find them. Right? Do you see what I mean? <laughs> and, and so, because we don't want to see that change. We've, we've been through the rubbish. You know, we've been through it. We've argued over certain players. We've argued over their motivations. We've argued whether they're stars. What we did, we added those older players like William to a set of stars who we thought were stars, and they weren't stars. They were packing their bank balance, and they, when a the moment came, they couldn't handle the pressure. They couldn't deliver. They had to be changed. It's painful watching that change because you want to support your club and you want to find a reason why those players should be in the building. You know, I've done it myself. I wanna, I've, I've looked around what my eyes have seen and I've said, well, you know, we've got a game next week. We need that player. So let me say something supportive. You know, well, deep down, I remember what it was like in Baku. I'm thinking, no, I knew I was right. You didn't have it. You know, and so going back gut on these type of things and my view is now is shifted. I want to see... I trust the talent ID, so now I'm looking at the person that could come in, and I'm hoping they're the right person, and they need to be. And I'm almost putting it back on the player. The player needs to show how much he wants to come a little bit more, and I think Mudrik is showing that, and uh, i like to see others show that, and I think that will come out with the players that we're linked with over the summer, particularly. It would be so interesting to see that if the level goes up, because I think it will. I think that's what the manager wants to do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, I think the, when we talk about, you know, squad building and the right way to build a squad, it's not meant to just be a, an intellectual exercise. Why are you building that squad? Now there is a debate here. I would say you're building the squad to try to win a title, to try to win a champions league, right? That's the goal, the, the trophies. Um, there's a funny video making the rounds on the internet, as there often is, uh, but this one's not a cat video. It's someone picking up an Arsenal cologne and a Tottenham cologne in a store. I don't know if you've seen it, but they're in a box. It's like some store where you can buy cologne. And the Arsenal cologne, you turn it over, and it says honors, and it lists all the honors the club has won. And the Tottenham cologne, you turn it over, and it's just got the Tottenham logo on the back. (laughs) There's no no honors list. It's just because, you know, like... (laughs) They won the league in black and white. I mean, that's that's really what it is, right? Um, so so you, you want the flags fly forever thing. You want the trophies. I don't think squad building is just an, an endless exercise. Now, I acknowledge that you don't want to build a squad that wins the title and then finishes 12th season after season after season. You know, you don't, you don't want to get relegated and, you know, go into uh, bankruptcy, right? Go into to the situations that like a, a Leeds did. Uh, but you know, I, that, I don't think we're in that scenario. So, I I I do think that I would prioritize trying to win the league, even if it means making a move that might not otherwise quite be what we're thinking. And part of the reason behind that, too, by the way, is we are going to have Champions League next season. I I feel confident in saying we are going to have more fixtures. And so some of the concerns that maybe I once expressed of, well, you know, where's this player going to fit in, and where's that player going to fit in. 
there's going to be minutes. There's going to be opportunities. Once you have Champions League midweek, once you have the league at the weekend and FA Cup and League Cup and Club World Cup and Club Secondary World Cup and Club European Secondary Tier 3 World Cup and Club, you, you get the idea. Once once these frauds put a fixture every day of the week, it's going to be okay to have these bigger squads. And oh, by the way, I think you also have to look around and say, hey, guess what, Clive? Liverpool look like they're not slow in their spending at all. Chelsea, I mean, Todd Bowley's been terrible, thank God, because they're going to have spent half a million, uh, pardon me, half a billion pounds just since he got here this summer. Um, United are trying to push the boat out, just thankfully no one will go to them. Clive, like, the landscape is, is you know, there was a part of me that thought maybe this spending will have to recede. Maybe this, this will have to rebalance. It's not rebalancing. It's getting bigger. And suddenly the idea that, oh, well, we'll just continue to build our project the way we build our project, you may get left behind with all the spending that's going on now. You know what I mean, Chelsea, yeah. Enzo Fernandez, $120 million? Like, what is going on now? <laughs> well, it's, it's not been spent yet, but I suppose we get swamped by the rumors. I mean, in our minds, it's already, mm. it's already been spent. Um, you know, I'm a, it's a, I'll tell you what, it's a Discord guy that showed me, reminded me about Enzo Fernandez, literally. And I... And there's about a month ago, maybe just maybe six weeks ago. Oh, that's interesting, Claire. Because I asked him which one do you want to see scouted, and mm-hmm. I wish we'd have done it because almost literally two days later he scores Golden World Cup and bingo. Now he's the player that I didn't know much about. Now everyone wants him. Right? That's an example, and we're falling into that. The hype around these players is is massive. So I I'm this is where my head is at the moment on this. The World Game is been thrust into our faces over the last couple of months obviously and what FIFA mm. do they get one they get one chance to make money is the World Cup this guy is not going to hold on to he's going to push more ideas the world the international game versus the club game that tug of war is going to drive different behaviours from certain people and if you have a World Cup every three years a world club championship 32 teams that could easily be 48 you're talking about a tournament every summer, you know, and it's the same group of players, right? It's the same group of players. And and so, you know, my views on this, we have to think about how we build our squads and we have to think about, I push, I say I push massively, sorry, I didn't sound right. Mm-hmm. I was behind the five sub thing and the reason why mm-hmm. I was projecting forward where the game was going. We, we took our FA Cup replays for one year and we brought them back. We still have two-legged semifinals of the League Cup. So let's not pretend we're perfect, right? Um, should we even have a League Cup? Some people say it's important mm. to EFL club. Keep It's not just about top six. Keep your mouth shut. Well, you know, I'm involved with, or I have been involved in lower league football or, and non-league football for a long time and I have a real good eye on it. And I, and I go and watch these games. I, invest, I spend time watching these games. I wish more money would fall down to the lower levels of, of the game because some of those clubs mm-hmm. are really struggling, particularly in those cost living crisis, etc. So I can't be a snob about what's actually happening. But what I do see is a strain on a subset of players and a small set of players. So we have to develop our squads appropriately. And what Liverpool has started to do potentially is what we will continue to do. We will continue to add layers of quality. And as a fan, we have to maybe look at the team slightly differently and be more comfortable if the guy sitting behind Paul's head, Bukayo Saka at the moment, is sitting down for a game or two. I wonder how we'll feel about that. You know? Well, I wonder how we'll feel about if Martin Lilly's sitting down. When Martin Lilly wasn't playing, we weren't happy about it. Well, we thought the manager hated him. You know? 
we're looking at but potentially, according to the rumours, looking at Evan Indica to come in as a left-footed centre-back. How do we feel about it if Gabriel isn't playing for a few weeks? Some people might say, thank goodness. But you see where I'm going, Elliot. I think yeah, we, yeah. we have to think about... You know, I, I don't want to bring back to American sports, and I don't know this sport so well as I do with, say, basketball, for example, American football. But I was always... Uh, as always, particularly with baseball, the way they use pitchers, where they use them, where they don't play for certain amount of games, they come back in. Mm-hmm. I always found that years ago, I found that interesting. You know, it, it's sometimes look at other sports and how they use athletes, how they use key athletes. It's something I think football can learn from, you know, and, and how they rotate, how they rest them. Because the edge is important. And we spoke yesterday about Man City's bench. They're not resting Foden for fun. They're resting him for the big games got coming up in January. And that edge is going to be the differentiator. And we have to be able to do the same. And, we, and we're not there yet. We need to get there. Yeah, it, it, it is going to be really interesting to see how squads are managed in an increasingly compressed schedule. And, and we're going to get a bit of a taste of that. I mean, one of the reasons, Paul, that I think we have to push the boat out this January if we want to win the title too is like, this isn't just a regular Premier League season that we happen to have a lead at the top of the table. This is going to be games every three days, essentially. It's going to be as difficult physically as possible. I want you to think about two of the worst performances we put in this season, Leeds and Southampton. Why were those performances bad? Because they came at a time when the fixtures were really starting to pile up, when we really did have that brutal run, if you remember. And we were we were thrilled with the points haul we took from that run. But that brutal run, that's the rest of the season. And we are going to drop physically. And our game demands so much physical exertion. They're just There's going to have to be a natural degree of rotation. The manager talked about it in his candid interview with, with Jamie Carragher and, and, and in just some of his press conferences that... This is, you know, this is just going to be a case where other players have to come in and play. We're going to need Smith Rowe back. We're going to need Gabriel Jesus back, but we're going to need to add. So let's let's discuss a couple of rumors tangibly, just quickly. I don't, uh, Clive and I probably won't go into this too much in this episode. But again, you know, we had a forty minute chat on the specific rumors. Uh, if you want to pick that up, but um, Paul, the the two, really the three out there right now are Mudrick, Ferran Torres, and Jao Felix. Jao Felix would be alone where we'd pay a loan fee and, a, and, a, and the wages, maybe all of them, maybe a portion of them. I'm 100% behind doing that. I can explain more if you want. Um, Ferran Torres one, I'm not as sure about. The Mudrick deal is an interesting one because that's a player we would own and we would have for the long term. I think the Mudrick deal is interesting, Paul, because I think he's a player I'd love to have in this squad for the long term, but I actually struggle to see him making a big contribution this season as someone who's not in season right now, never played anywhere near this level, still relatively young to the game and would have to integrate. You know, he's the kind of player that maybe come April, he's starting to make a contribution. So while I'd love to add him to the squad, I, I think you'd need another one to make the immediate impact. So how do you break down the the three different tangible rumors? I, right, I mean, there may be others that come out of the woodwork, but right now those three feel fairly well-sourced. Do you have a sort of priority of those three or which ones you'd like to see us do, if any? Are you on mute? Uh, probably. Yeah. I can just give your opinion for you. So what Paul yeah, thinks. No. It, oh, no. Okay. 
I was I was giving measured, considered thought to it. I didn't want to rush into any kind of... Yeah, go of, back on mute then. Yeah, go back on mute. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I just... I guess... What do you think? Which ones do you want? <laughs> oh, all right. Um, look, Joao Felix is such a big name, big personality, big uh, cojones wandering into town. Um that just that one just feels odd to me. He'd then be our second striker behind Eddie. Uh, that that you think would be so? weird. Really? That, well, there's no possible no, chance of that, by the way. <laughs> Elliot, let me develop the thought oh, here. Okay, please do. <laughs> Christ! Um, I'll just hide behind sec- my giant microphone for a while. You, you go on. <laughs> Maybe the second uh, striker behind Eddie. Uh, but that would be weird, so he wouldn't be. So Eddie'd now be our third striker for a few months. Um, Gabriel Jesus would come back, and he and Joao Felix would compete to start. I mean, sounds great in, on one hand. On the man, we really have a squad that knows how to dance together and where everybody fits, and this guy is coming in for a loan period. Ah, that sounds like a huge character, a huge personality, a huge uh, reputation to be ping-ponging between is he first, is he second, or is he third choice. Uh, it just doesn't just doesn't feel right to me that that guy's coming for a few months and it, Eddie's our starter, but he won't be, and then Gabriel Jesus is back and he's he's fitting in and learning how just seems that just seems uh, and a big loan fee as well big loan fee so so, that so, one so you don't all right so so well let me just say this because i i think what can be helpful how many premier league games do we have left we have 23 yep all right so there's 2000 minutes of premier league football times the front three there's 6210 front three minutes in the Premier League. All right? You got that number? 6,210. Let's say we play another seven games in the Europa League. Okay? Mm -hmm. There's times three. This is great podcasting. 1,890. So now we're at 8,000 front three minutes. Let's say we play three games in the FA Cup. Okay, so you get another 90 times 3 times 3 is 810. Let's just say 9,000 front three minutes left. There are 9,000 front three minutes left. If you divide that by five players, it's 1,800 minutes between now and the end of the season. It's a lot of minutes, right? I mean, it. I think if you start thinking in terms of minutes, like – Maybe it's the Europa League game and Zhao Felix starts instead of Jesus or Enkedia. And maybe it's a Premier League fixture after an FA Cup and Eddie sits down and Felix starts. Or maybe it's Martinelli who needs to really be at his best. The other thing is Martinelli's been fading at 70 minutes quite a bit, in my opinion. Eddie Enkedia, I think, starts to look like he's blowing at 70 minutes. So maybe... You know, Felix doesn't start a game, but he's on for Martinelli after 70 on Thursday and on for Enkedia after 60 on Sunday. Like, I, I don't think it's a problem. And I think it is the case that, you know, we... Like, look, everything you said, Paul, is sort of true until Saka's hamstring goes twang and he's out 21 days. 
Or in, like, what if Eddie rolls his ankle this weekend and Eddie's out for three weeks? Like, suddenly you go from, it's weird to bring in a big guy to share minutes to like, <laughs> holy shit, we're starting, um, you know, a non-striker at striker. So in a perfect yeah. world, like, like when Liverpool won the title, Salah, Mane, and Firmino started like 36 games and played almost all the minutes in the league. And you know what? If you can, if you can guarantee that, then that all makes sense. But what did Liverpool do after that? They went and they got a Diaz, they got a Jota, right? They got they 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 needed more up front, and especially the way they play because of the way they press. And I think the way we play and the minutes coming up, you could get a Felix and a Mudrick and bring Smith Rowe back and bring Jesus back and give everybody fifteen hundred minutes, and they'd be absolutely running around like their hairs on fire every time they were on the pitch. I think it could work brilliantly. Yeah, look, I agree with all of that. It's more the name, (laughs) yeah, the name, the reputation. That it just seems slightly big for for the situation, not for the minutes. Uh, Like I fully agree. I mean, uh, seventy minutes, twenty minutes to the guy who comes on, rotated, lots of competitions. I see all that, but I also see that we. Uh, we'll very quickly have two strikers, but we'll only have one winger on either side we trust. And so uh, the the Mudrik one gives us options. It means he can play left side. Uh, Martinelli can go centrally uh, to back up and Katia when required. Martinelli could play off the right, um, get some Smith Rowe minutes in there. Like w- w- we need two wingers as backup and we need options and we need a little cover for Eddie. So I think Mudrick gets us quite a bit. I agree with you. He's not as ready, but personality wise, he should just fit in. Um, he fits into that dressing room in a way that I'm not sure Joao Felix does. I don't know enough about Ferran Torres, but I see no reason why he wouldn't fit in. So it's not that I don't think we need a striker. That's not, I just uh, like it might be great, and maybe everybody's on the same same wavelength. Maybe they sit down with Joao Felix, and his head's where we want it to be, and he likes this project, and it suits him for his objectives in the summer, and that would be great. It it, it is one where like the guy and where his head's at, and his personality, everything's going so good for us. The guy has to fit in, even though it's only for five months. You know, yeah, you don't want him stinking the place up because he's not getting <laughs> what he wanted out of it either. Sure, I would say this: uh, two things. Uh, you know, I've never been a fan of the well, just trust the club. Because if, it, like, even if you do trust the club, saying just trust the club is it just has a chilling effect on having any debate or analysis. So you're, you're basically saying, rather than having an interesting discussion, just trust the club. So I, I don't like that thinking. Yeah, but why I'm would we enjoy- start trusting the club now, yeah. given that we've exactly. been running the place for about three yeah. or four years well, and looking C- how, look how well it's turned five, out? Clive's the reason they put five subs in. So, I mean, yeah, we should just keep doing what we're doing. No, I, but, but I will invoke trust the club in this one respect. The one thing I'm confident of, Paul, there's just no way I believe Mikel Arteta is bringing in a bad personality. Like the one thing we know about Mikel is he cares about that more than I'd like him to. Now I probably wound up being wrong about that, but like I can't see him bringing in someone if he hasn't felt the personality fits. And Mikel being a Spaniard, like, you know, there's, there's in, in my mind, like, the, he he must have. I th- I'm sure he has contacts over there. I'm sure he's talking to people over there. I'm sure he has a good sense of what's gone on and and how he fits. Let me say this about the Felix thing versus the Mudrik thing. I, and I know I've said it before, but I think one of the features of this podcast is you get to hear my opinions 
said in multiple different ways throughout the throughout the episode. Mm-hmm. Just in case you were fast forwarding when I was talking That's last. That's why I tune in. Yeah. Yeah. Um, again, think about who Mikhailo Mudrik is. He's a young player with limited football under his belt, learning the game. Whose season ended? Right. He's in preseason right now. Who's been playing in a league devastated by war? So he's been playing in you know weird places, weird pitches. You know the the quality of the league has declined, and he's going to get. He, I mean, I still think the talent is there. We did a scouting video. I think he's, I think he's got things he has to work on, but I think his ceiling is very high. I don't see Mudrick as a. He shows up January one, and on January three, he's making a difference in our title challenge. Like. I think he's a player that if we're interested in him, he's a really intriguing signing for the long term. But I don't see him as a move we make that necessarily moves the needle on who we are this season in a substantial way. And so the issue for me isn't that Mudrick is the wrong player and we shouldn't sign him. The issue is that I don't know how much Mudrick moves the needle on the season we want to have right now, Clive. So I think whether Mudrick comes or not, I still think there's another addition needed to influence the campaign we're currently in, if that makes sense. It does. And I have to say, you know, Joe Felix is he's like, um, <laughs> he's my nightclub player, right? He's, he's such a good player. You can't help but be attracted to him. Right, um, but you know what? Sometimes you have to be a bit more practical. And I, I've, I've got a pragmatic side to me. I, I wish Jeff I've got to say, st- Clive, it's it's a pretty good analogy because I can see us at two o'clock when the lights go, lights exactly. come up, and we're dancing with some. Suddenly, he'll look real, real pretty. That- <laughs> <laughs> he'll look real pretty if he has a half seven. I, I, wait, I got to stop you guys because I want to be clear about something. I, I, all of us are on camera right now. When the lights come on at two o'clock, it's the person dancing with us. <laughs> Exactly. Not the other way around. Let's just be clear. Okay. It reminds, it reminds me of all shriek. <laughs> it reminds me of my youth going to Newcastle nightclubs, and at eight o'clock, I was turning people down. A quarter to two, everyone looked real good, right? And um, and I'm I'm concerned that Joe Felix. I'm I'm concerned. I wish he had a stink of a World Cup because I don't mind reclaiming broken soldiers, right? But the fact that he was flying through the middle of the pitch, looking quite potentially good, has just put a level of focus around him. I'm just not sure about I'm, I'm sort of with you, Paul. I know what you mean by this. He feels a bit big for what we do. But is this something that we have become conditioned to? You know, this is what yes. I keep wondering. <laughs> if the manager's going to want to raise the level, who's going to be the guy that's going to raise the level? You know, Jesus was the first maybe one to come in and say, look, we're serious now. Bang. He raised the level immediately. Raised everyone else's level around him. Who's going to be that player? My brain naturally goes towards a Mudrik and a Ferran Torres or a Colo Muani, someone like that. Somebody that's on the way, good motivation, and could add something that, that we could use. I don't know enough about the characters, these players, although Moana's got a bit of a dodgy character, potentially. Um, but I'm I'm comfortable with that. I'm comfortable with broken soldiers. And my brain goes towards that. I, when I try to project and have hunches, Ferran Torres is one I, I picked out quite early. I thought, you know what? He he fits the style. He's not flashy like Jao Felix, 
I just got a better feeling about him. Is that my condition? Is that my? Is that where I am? Is that the fact that we always build stars or rebuild stars and have done for many, many years? It probably is. It probably is. But we have an identity that's been ingrained in us for many, many years. And Mudrick fits me. It fits our brain. It fits stylistically the fact that he accelerates the game in wide areas, which is what mm. we do. He's a phone box player. Sprints out of sprints out of danger. Gets it back. One two merchant. Love it. Two footed finisher. It's all there, right, to build on. Once he works out, he can pass to somebody and actually get the ball back rather than trying to beat 10 men, which he's doing on YouTube clips because he's got no one to pass to. When he has combinations, it's going to be, a, <laughs> it's going to be amazing. It's going to be amazing, potentially. Potentially. Right, it could take some time. I agree with your point, Elliot. Could take time, yep. Mm-hmm. Could take time. So in the meantime, what do we do for that second player? Right, so we're looking at Smith Rowe. We're not sure what he looks like. We haven't seen him on camera for a long time. That's a big that's a big issue for us. Because if he's here, we're not having this conversation. He scored 10 goals last year. He's just forgotten. Yep. We don't know where he plays anymore. We're not even talking about him. That's what we're he's like as football reason, fans. Right? He can't get fit. And if he you can't. can't get fit, you can't contribute. You know, it's, it's exactly. really sad. But until he proves he can stay fit, you can't plan around him. You know? And so when we're looking at we're looking at the group and we all want we all want to make sure we don't trip up and, and blow up. But Smith Rowe is where he's at. We're not talking about a second player. We we seriously we're not. Because we he, he just would be that second player. So maybe well, the fact we talk about a second player tells us about the fact where Smith Rowe is actually at physically. You know, we're worried. Mm. Are the club worried? You know, so that that may be something to um to bring into our thought process. But yeah, I Paul, I'm with you, mate, on uh Jeff Felix. I, I it doesn't feel comfortable yet yeah it doesn't feel i'm not saying we shouldn't do it like they may sit down with them and it just like this is right this is what he wants and and it's not so much joao felix it's the fact that it's alone and like that doesn't you can't bring him in and make him the guy um so you like there's a lot of things to massage there and if it's right do it like but only to to your point elliot only they would know this is one where only yeah. they would know the yeah, the, exactly. the team sitting yeah. down with them. This feels right. This feels wrong. There's no more powerful factor in human behavior than incentives, though. Incentives drive drive all of human behavior, and I think our incentives would be aligned in that. Jao Felix wants a big move somewhere away from Atleti. He needs to get out of there, and he needs to convince the world that someone should pay him a mega wage to go be a star at a big club. He doesn't want to move to Wolves on eighty grand a week with Atleti paying some of the wage. He doesn't want, you know, to to go down the table. He wants to be at a big club making a big wage. And if he can come to Arsenal and work his ass off and help us win a title and be a key contributor to that, he gets what he wants. So his incentives are in alignment. And I, the reason I do like a loan, and by the way, we've had some hell of a good loan, you know, like the Odegaard loan. We've had good ones. We've had bad ones like Dennis Suarez. But what I don't want to do, I don't want to buy a player we wouldn't otherwise buy and then own that player. So if if the Zhao Felix loan helps us do something we need to do for five months but doesn't commit us to it longer term, I think there's some benefit. And Clive, ultimately, it's the fact that our incentives are in alignment, that he has every need to kill it with us and be a model citizen, I think helps. When your incentives are aligned, I think you get better outcomes. Absolutely agree. I think I'm not against the loan. Seriously, man, I'm not against the loan. When you said there, 
he's going to get big wages. That's the bit that made me put my, my hand up. So I want to talk because I actually want to, <laughs> I, I want to see him because Paul's got a similar gut feel that I have. We're not sure about him. We don't know him. We don't know most of the players, but we just don't know anything about him. But if he was to say, I want to go to Arsenal and I'd make, I'm going to make this happen. I'm going to take a lesser wage to show everybody. I'm serious about my career. If he just wants to earn his money somewhere else and play and play happy five-a-side football, because our football just align, right? Stylistically, that's not that's not enough for me anymore. Just just what I mean by that. It's, it's yeah, not yeah. enough for me. I, I want more. I don't want to see the things the culture side of the group disappear, and we've got somebody coming in for different reasons. Football-wise, you're, you're bang on. So, yeah, stand there. By the way, we can be seduced real quick, right? If we see one article from the right online magazine telling us how Joe Felix and find dig out a picture in Arsenal top when he was, like, 14, we're on board, right? And how he, he should have come to a... Mate, it won't take much for us to be seduced. Trust me, it won't. His brother's a whiz on Photoshop, so... <laughs> exactly. It won't take much for us to be to be communicating around the communicating strategy come out to let us know that this guy is the one but I just my gut feel says I'm not sure but that could change whereas Ferran Torres I feel different about because I think we went for him before so to your point Elliot we're not doing something that we haven't thought about. That's key. Yep. That's my no, gut right. feel. That's my gut feel. But I'm cool. Which is the one I'm I'm more interested in. And the second one, let's see what happens. Yeah, look, the the Torres links were there last summer. He's a player we clearly were interested in. If we go for him again, it's because we wanted him before and we still want him now. I don't have a problem with that. I think introducing elite top of the game quality is always hard. Doing it in January is incredibly hard. And doing it without the worry of long-term destabilization is near impossible. You sign a star, you own a star, and everything that comes with that. It is a very, very rare case that you can bring in potentially one of the elite talents in the game. And let's make no mistake, Joao Felix at one time was considered one of the best players in the game. That's why Athletic paid what they did. It is rare that you can bring that player in in the middle of the season and not even have to be committed to that player if you determine that they don't have that elite capability anymore or they're not the right fit. When you roll the dice on bringing in a Zhao Felix, there's a chance that you get the Zhao Felix the world thought he was when Athletic signed him. And if you get that, I cannot overstate the dramatic impact that makes on our team. Think back to who he was when Athletic signed him. Think back to that reputation. What if that player is in there? And what if you can get that player on, yeah, a loan fee that's high, but it's not $100 million, and you're not even committed. So if the ego isn't right or the work rate, you're, you're, you're not committed. It is, is a rare opportunity. I'd jump at it because I just think it's, it's so unusual to be able to do that. And by the way, if he proves to be the Joao Felix that once upon a time the world thought he was, and he comes to you and helps you win a title and, and, and fits you like a glove, guess who has the fast lane to potentially signing him permanently if we want him. Arsenal. So I, I think it's all there for us with that one. The Mudrick one, I like the move. I just, I think Mudrick's the kind of player that we're going to be going, yeah, nice player, but yeah, it really took him till about April to feel like he was making a difference for us. 
Can Which I just now say, leads to what we have. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was, can I just say something? I find that as we are recording, um, the Brighton manager, uh, Tizerbi, is having a press conference and he's talking about Madrid and he actually says, I, I can't buy him, but I do think, you know, but I like him. I like all my ex-players. He said, I think Mudrick can win the Ballon d'Or in the future. I know the value of Mudrick. And this is the oh, wow. bit. This wow. is the, so, so he's close friends with his agent is what you're yeah, saying. Yeah, yeah. But, <laughs> but this is the risk, isn't it? This is the risk. Sometimes yeah. when I'm back to my nightclub analogy, sometimes when I'm, when I'm struggling with these sort of things, I imagine him going out with someone else. And if he landed on Newcastle's door, how would I feel about it? And I, I don't think I would feel good. So I hope we do get that one done at the right sort of price. With Joe Felix, if we land at Manchester United's door, I would say, let me see how this works out. You know what I mean? I wouldn't be immediately yeah, but, devastated. But what, if he land, what if he landed on Newcastle's door and they're they're not too far from behind? You know yeah. I mean? like, the reason you don't care about him landing at United is because, A, you assume if United's doing it, it's the wrong move. Well, I chose, you, in our rear view. I chose United yeah. for a reason, Elliot, which you, know, which I, you picked I, up on wonderfully well and too quickly. <laughs> but, yeah, I'm, I'm just fighting my emotions basically at the moment. But I feel we need I to. I, I feel we need to. One of the reasons I think Mudrick... Uh, maybe more impactful than he has a right to be, given all the things you laid out there, Elliot, is that Arteta has been looking for uh, a blistering runaway winger to run at defences, a soloist in a sense, a 1v1 merchant, a Rafinha, a Mudrick. That's a type where you don't – like integration, finding your colleagues is great and all that – but that's what you do after you run at him, and then you put your head up and you say, Who, who's in the box to pass to? So I think he's a little bit of a different – he's not Fabio Vieira where his whole value to the team is going to be this uh, kind of telepathic interconnectivity. Uh, we're going to want – like there will be a lot of that we're looking for from him, and he's going to be breaking them down and building them back up in our image. But he'd probably take three, four, five months of Mudrick just doing Mudrick on the wing. Yeah, but Paul, it's not just the integration. It's also like he's been playing in the Ukrainian Premier League and oh by the way, they're not even in season right now. Just yeah. till he gets a sense of like can I beat this right back off, you know, off my first step or how fast are these players or how quick do they smash you or just getting his legs under him like it, it I just think the idea that he can sure, hit the ground running right away. fast in the Ukraine. Time. Imagine how fast he's going to pee on the Emirates pitch where he's not like <laughs> navigating ups and downs, ins and With outs. tailwinds? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, right, potholes. <laughs> uh, right, I, I got it. Like I've yeah. seen some of those pitches. This is uh, – it sounded like a thing. Ukraine joke, but it's not. I've seen the – the. it's more of a – I've seen the pitches he plays on. It's like poor old Pele or Maradona back in the day. What would they have done on an on the Emirates it, uh, playing yeah. surface? It would be just well, phenomenal. And, and since you mentioned it um, – Obviously, yeah. uh, rest in peace to Pele, if not the all-time great, certainly one of the all-time greats, one of the first to do all the things that we now enjoy watching on a football pitch. A, I, I a think Clive game. and I, like that's that was the first guy for us. Like that was the yeah. first huge name, Pele. Just, well, I mean, yeah. he, he, he once upon a time, he packed 80,000 Cedar Stadiums in America, you know, for, for yeah. soccer, which at the time was unthinkable. Just an abs, absolutely extraordinary individual, and uh, he will be missed. Now, uh, if Mudrick doesn't hit the ground running, maybe one of the ways we can get him to hit the ground running is by giving him Athletic Greens AG1. That's right. It's uh, 
it's basically all the things. So uh, I started taking AG1 for two re- reasons, right? When I first heard about it, and it's funny, I heard about it on another podcast. They talked about gut health, and I really wanted that. Um, and energy, I'd been relying on coffee and caffeine way too much. I still I still use caffeine, but I- I'm trying to be a little more thoughtful about it. The other thing I liked is I had a cabinet full of gummy vitamins, and I'm like, these can't be good for me. This is whole food sourced, which I really like. A, a scoop in water tastes great, plus you're drinking more water, which always helps. And um, yeah, it's just something that I, I, I really recommend as someone who has taken it. What is it? It's uh, 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole foods, source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens, right, to help you start your day right. Special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, nervous system, immune system, energy, recovery, focus, and aging. Um, it cannot stop aging, by the way. I, uh, I am proof positive of that. But there's a couple of things you should know about AG1. It's lifestyle friendly. So if you eat keto, paleo, vegan, daily free, or gluten free, no problem, less than one gram of sugar. It's not like the gummies that, that have become so popular, but probably don't do a heck of a lot. Costs less than a fancy coffee every day and has over 7,000 five star reviews. So right now, time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system. With convenient daily nutrition, to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs. Using that while I'm here, by the way, uh, traveling. With your first purchase, all you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash vision. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash vision to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutrition club. Is that enough of that? Indeed. Now that... Okay, Clive, let's get to the meat of the story here. I have a quick question. Please, fire away. Did you make up the word adaptogens? No, they made up the word adaptogens. <laughs> <laughs> I think mean, somebody made up a word. I, I don't know. Google it. Google Google is free. You know. Uh, let let me Google that for you. dot com. Um, Clive, January. It's not just for transfers. You also get to play football. Mm. We're going to be playing a lot of it. But let me just reiterate that. It, it, it's going to be a hard month. It's going to be a hard month. Um, we'll just talk Premier League for a moment. Arsenal hosts Newcastle on the 3rd. Arsenal go to Spurs on the 15th. Arsenal host United on the 22nd. How how important are those three fixtures in terms of what we want to go on to do, given that you then have Manchester City, who have quite a difficult... I mean, nothing ever sounds difficult for Manchester City, but like... I actually think this this is going to be a difficult for month uh, difficult month for them as well. They have Chelsea away on the fifth. They have United away on the fourteenth. They have Spurs at home on the nineteenth. So they they have similarly difficult fixtures. Both Spurs and United, like we do, they have Chelsea away uh, as opposed to us having Newcastle at home. And I should mention they then uh, have trips to Spurs and and Arsenal in February. So. Looking at the January fixtures for us, looking at the January fixtures for them, should we go with the hyperbole? The title will be decided in January. <laughs> they play a couple of fixtures in January as well than than we do, which will add mm, into yeah. their fatigue factor at some point. But yeah, they've got not, league cup, they've got FA Cup, they've yeah, got all that. Yeah. We're not there yet, and um, we have a you know we have a decent tie Oxford away, which is a good tie for us to have because we can really rotate and rest. That's a bit lucky. Whereas Man City mm-hmm. played Liverpool the other day. And so it's tough. It's a bit tougher for them. I think um, the, the one, without wishing to sound like I'm the manager, um, honestly, mate, the one we got against Just Brighton. Just a manager. Uh, the one we got against Brighton is the one that's a little bit scary for most of you because we just don't do very well against them. 
You know, we generally don't do very well against them. For some reason, we don't. I'm, I'm, Paul's got his hand up. I'm hearing they've got, they've got a few players out like Caicedo. They've got Webster, who's a centre-back I quite like, actually. And Daly Welbeck's not playing. Macaius is not playing. So this is a better time to get at them. Even the game that we lost this time in, in the League Cup, there were periods in that game where we were really good. They just managed to pick off us, our less experienced players, like, like our goalkeeper, who's had a good recovery since then, in Carl Hine, for example. So I, I'm hopeful, but I think that's a that's a big one. That's like Palace away to me, in a different way, a sort of place where we struggle. And if we get if we get a good result there, that would mean a lot. It mean a lot. Spurs takes care of itself. I fancy us against Spurs this time. Newcastle will be interesting, but we're good at home and with the home fans. But it's the Spurs one I'm looking at and Brighton I'm looking at. If we come out of there and we really good points, the other games don't worry me. They don't worry me because we, we do well in them. So, But that Spurs and Brighton, if we, if we get six points out of there and we're sitting in a good place in the end of January or towards the end of January, then the conversation we've had around loans becomes really pertinent at that point, I feel. Really pertinent. Because now you're into risk management. You're into, okay, we are not trying to protect our floor. We're trying to go for the ceiling here. We're trying. We're going for it. Because if we're in a good point position there, you'd be crazy not to try. You know, you have to try. Yeah. The, the Newcastle game still feels like the one for me in the sense that if Newcastle come to the Emirates and win, this is a three-way race now. It's not just, oh, Arsenal at the top, you know, trying to hold off Manchester City. It's a three-way race. They're going to feel like they are in it. Whether or not you agree, they're going to feel that way, certainly. And if you just look at underlying data, it's been Arsenal and City at the top. But Newcastle are in a tier by themselves in third, and they're closer to us than they are to the trailing group. Their defending is excellent. They just give very little away. And so I, I I think that game is going to be nervy and going to be tight because whatever they do at the Emirates, the odds are that they're going to make it very, very difficult for us to create chances. And and that feels like there's one goal in it either way. So it'll be nervy. And they, they're the ones who want to say, not so fast, Arsenal. We're here now. We're ready. That feels narrative-wise like the very big one because – Spurs away is always big. It's a derby, and of course we're going to care about it more emotionally. But I don't see Spurs getting potentially as close to us as I can see Newcastle. I feel like beating Newcastle at the Emirates allows us to really be focused on keeping Manchester City in our rear view instead of the feeling like there's more of a chasing pack. So that one feels big. Paul, you wanted to address the issue of Brighton. And look, we haven't done well there. That was under Potter. Deserby, I think there's a lot of similarity to the way they want to play. They want to keep the ball. I mean, the irony is the teams we should probably be most afraid of are Spurs and United because they're excellent counterattacking teams. And long straight balls are where we look vulnerable right now. Whereas like Brighton and Newcastle, they'll want to keep the ball a little more. And, you know, they're not going to do that against us. But you seem to be pretty animated that we shouldn't worry about Brighton. So I'm curious to hear why so that we have it on uh, on tape when we do our instant mm-hmm. reaction pod and everybody wants to yell at you. Uh-huh. Um, so there's this thing that Brighton's our bogey team or one of them and I had a little think about it and like it, it reminds me of Arsenal aren't very good at going from behind Arsenal can't score a bunch of goals against like that's old Arsenal this is a different fucking team 
This is not your grandmother's arsenal. Here's the team who lined up against Brighton last uh, season in the run-in when we all know, A, we were shagged, and B, we lost 2-1. We had... Can I get? Can I guess the lineup? <clears throat> yeah, go on. Okay. Dennis Suarez, Pablo Marie, Francis Coughlin, Julio Baptista. Um, hang on. Oh, I wish. Fr- Andre S- at- Santos. <laughs> um, we probably had uh, Manone in goal. Um, Shamak up front. Am I close? Uh, we'd have killed for that lineup. No, we'd uh, <laughs> Jacques at left back, Suarez at right back, Lakanga and Odegaard were our midfield pivots. It just mm. reeks of uh, we're feeling it and we're in prime. Uh, Smithrow, Benad Engineer, is back as our number 10. I mean, like, even if you look at the names on the list, we had Martinelli, Saka, and oh, your favorite, Lacazette up front, who I. Mm. Uh, I will choose at this point to say it was rubbish, even though I think he was just about okay. To be fair, minimal. if I remember correctly, we actually played decent in the second half. That was, yes. you know what that was? Yes. That was the game where Martinelli scored what I thought was a perfectly good goal right at halftime that got ruled out for the most marginal yeah, yeah. offside I've ever seen in my entire life, a header off maybe a corner or something. And then we, we never got the goal we deserved in the second half. So and yeah. anyway, yeah, you're it right. It's also now that the game. Yeah, it's the game where Eddie started to take over from Lacazette. He came on as yep, the sub, yep. and then he starts the next game, but he hadn't found his oats at that stage. He wasn't feeling his oats because he hadn't found them. Mm-hmm. First, got to find them, then you got to feel them. Um, so, like, even if you were okay with a lot of the names in this lineup, they're all playing in the wrong position, right? Um, the game before that one was the one where we were still trying to work out how badly we didn't want to play with Aubameyang in the mist, in the rain, they blocked the midfield. It was a 0-0 draw. Uh, like, it does feel very, why can't Arsenal come from a goal down in a game? Because, like, that's a different time in a different team. Um, I, I, I Like, Brighton's going to be a tough game. They're all going to be tough games for the reasons you laid out. But I think we should get past the Brighton's our bogey team. They're going to be very good. They're good against big teams. Like, that's all a factor. But, like, the bogey team thing... That's just a confluence of factors from the past. <laughs> I'm just saying it because based on our recent results. Um, yeah, and, no, it was, and yeah, and Clive. And I, I yeah, could go Clive, into each one of them. Yeah, it was not because you said it. I was thinking about it last night. I'm like, let me go and have a look. That, there's something here Can that seems a Can I just stop you for fishy. a second and make a yeah. point, though? Yes, we're a different team. <laughs> Somehow shitbag Southampton is our bogey team, and we <laughs> freaking points to them again this season. So, like, it, there there is this weird thing in football where it just happens that a team has your number. Yeah, it but happens. Do you, um, I, I, will, I want to say – mm-hmm. Go ahead, mate. Sorry. I was just going to ask if you expect any any changes from the lineup um, we put out against West Ham. I think Zinchenko will play. You know, that's that's what I think. Critical, absolutely um, critical for unpicking Brighton. That's the yeah. that's the one I'm looking for, Clive. The Zinchenko. Yeah. If if he's in there, they're in trouble. Yeah, I, I you know I I do think maybe the the, the, the bogey team thing will come to an end. Uh, I I just think um, we're we're a really good side at the moment, and funny enough. But I just worry about that aspect. I worry about a lot of things, right? I worry about that luck aspect. But the Newcastle one... Leave that to me. Uh, the Newcastle one, that's the one I actually think is something I do fancy us. Because if you think back, you think back to a result we need to fix. If there is a revenge game out there, this is the one. 
right? I felt they, I felt they played eleven out of ten football against us. They wanted to smash us. They wanted to, mm-hmm. they really wanted to go for us. They played. Look, no one gives up games in the Premier League, but they played that like a cup final. They really wanted to milk it. They wanted to go for it. And if I'm one of those players that sat in that dressing room and we saw it on the Amazon, right? So we get a bit of an insight. I'm thinking, man, mate, you danced over us. You danced on our, over us. You, you, you sunk too much in the dressing room. Now I'm going to remember that game. I'm going to remember that game. And this is the next time we're seeing you. I think the Emirates could be hot on that day. Yep. Hot, hot, hot. And they're going to feel something that we felt on that night in their manner. So I think, mm. you know, Brighton's the one. It's a bit of a trap game, edit in your world, yeah. Brighton's the one that worries me a little bit for drop points. But Newcastle, mate, they're not getting out of dodge. They're not getting out. They're gonna, they're gonna get it if we're in, in some sort of health. They're gonna get it. And so, Spurs is Spurs, and trust me, it's a different game. You know, we win at home, they win at home. But I'm not liking it at the moment. But they are in. They, are, I heard Perry Gross say something that Spurs are literally two games away from the fans turning. If we beat them, I think the fans could turn. The Conti's not signed his contract. They've got some old dudes there, not quite doing it. So scraping results, scraping draws when they should be losing, and winning games. Fortunately, I, I think Newcastle look better than Spurs statistically, as you know, Elliot. They're getting away at the moment. Manchester United are going to take them out of top four. So Spurs are literally two games away from imploding. We could be part of that story. Um, so, yeah, let's see how we go. Let's see how we go. And look, City have not been great on their travels this season. There's this perception that City are unbeatable, right? They're just unbeatable. But they they haven't been great. They haven't been as great as as you'd expect. You're certainly on the road. And they have United away. You know, that that's not an easy game. They have Chelsea away. It's not an easy game. They also have the weird thing where they have to play Chelsea twice in the span of like four days because they play them in the FA Cup as well. Um, and then, you know, for, for City, while January looks tricky, you know, their season feels a lot like it comes down to two, two trips to North London because, you know, they have Spurs away and they have... Arsenal away in February. Um, and and so we'll see what happens with them. As far as Spurs go, like they have a very easy January, so they could continue to play like crap and and just eke out results. We'll see. I think for me, if we can get seven points from those three games, we will still be right there at the top of the table. And by the three games, of course, I mean Newcastle, um, United, and Spurs. And two of the games are at home. Win the home games, draw the draw the derby. I think we'll be in fantastic shape given what, what city have coming up as well. Um, Spurs, by the way, play city twice in February and we are going to be feeling a lot of things. Cause those are two games where their city can come their game where the Spurs season can come completely unglued, but we will probably be, I don't want to say rooting for them cause we're never rooting for them, but we will be, we will Spurs, be sat okay. If they get jammy wins and Spurs is but, Spurs is city's bogey side, right? Yeah. They're yeah. Literally. And, and it's incredible. This season, that's to watch. okay with us. Yeah. They love is it? Spurs love <laughs> well Spurs love a Spurs love a two one over City where the XG was City four point five Spurs zero point one they, they they love that um, all right let, let's leave it there uh, I, obviously we'll have an instant reaction after Brighton tomorrow 
hopefully we'll have a rewatch of both halves because you score the five in the first half and the five in the second half. How are you going to pick a half to watch? No Caicedo, no McAllister um, should help. We're linked with Caicedo, by the way, so maybe destabilizing them a little bit there. Nice player, but no time to discuss that now. We'll leave it there. We'll come back with um, another main pod on Monday, but hopefully um, you might be willing to join us for the instant reaction or for the transfer uh, coverage we did and West Ham rewatch we did over on Patreon. If you want to be there, if not, we're just happy to have you here. Um, we will be talking to you on Patreon tomorrow, but since we won't be talking to you on the main pod until Monday, I do want to say very happy new year to everyone. It's been a wonderful year to share together. Thank you for being here with us. Met many of you this year um, and, and really enjoyed it. And just if we've engaged at all, whether it's on social media or in real life or by carrier pigeon or whatever it was, thank you for being a part of the community. We love you. And it's, um, it's just the privilege of a lifetime to get to talk Arsenal with you. And uh, that goes, obviously, for also everybody I do the podcast with, for the most part. Um, <laughs> so that'll do it for me. Paul's on Twitter. Paul's my pants. Thanks, Paul. Woohoo! Clyde's on Twitter. Clyde P.S. Thanks, Clyde. Thank you very much. My name's Alex. Thank you for me on Twitter. And we love you. And we'll talk to you after Arsenal 10. Right? No. Nope.